0: Hello, my name is Maxine Mackintosh and I have the huge privilege of leading our diverse data initiative over at Genomics England, which aims to ensure that genomic medicine really does work for everyone. This week, myself and the other amazing members of the diverse data team are taking over the GWED podcast to host a series of discussions around diversity in healthcare, health and genomic data. These short sessions will hopefully give you a wee bit of insight into some of the complex issues we're uncovering as a team as well as hopefully some food for thought we hope you enjoy them and we definitely loved interviewing family members old friends new collaborators who are all in some big or small way trailblazing in improving health and genomic equity we would love to hear any thoughts you have on the subjects we're discussing our door is truly wide open so feel free to drop me a message via the podcast email address which is very conveniently podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk thanks for listening
1: Hello and welcome to the Diverse Data Takeover of the G Word podcast. I'm Sophia, I'm the design researcher on the Diverse Data Programme and I'm mixed Vietnamese and British. As some of you know, we don't have many people of East Asian descent in our data sets, but why? In this podcast, you're invited to listen in on a kitchen conversation between me and my granddad, a retired hospital translator, my grandma, my dad, their son, and my mum, his wife. I want to take a minute to warn you that some of the conversations in this podcast involve discussions about religion, race, abortion, and poor experiences with doctors. So if that's not something you want to hear about, please listen to some of the many other brilliant podcasts in the G Word series. And as a side note, you might occasionally hear us say the word Aung throughout this. That's just the Vietnamese word for granddad. Okay, let's get started. And I'll try my best to translate this as we go along.
2: Hi, Sophia. I have your granddad, okay? My name is Peter Liu. I was a interpreter for health service in Southeast area from 1993 to 2006. That's the reach of my time of uh, retirement.
1: And why did you decide to be a hospital translator?
2: The first thing is, uh, by the time I was here, uh, many Vietnamese people, they want to uh, go to the doctor, go to hospital, or go to dentistry. They don't know how to keep in touch with the health service, so they need the interpreter. I was uh, involved with the Vietnamese interpreter. That's it.
1: Okay, thank you, Ong. I call my granddad Ong, which is Vietnamese for granddad. Throughout this podcast, you will probably hear some voices of other members of my family, so I'll just get them to introduce themselves now.
3: Hi, I am Vincent Lu, and I'm Sophia's dad.
1: Hello, I'm Suzanne Lu, and I'm Sophia's mother. <laughs> oh, mother? Yes. Oh, mother! Ooh, mother. Ooh. <laughs> okay, ba.
2: Hello, my name is Maria Lu. I am a bit... why?
3: <laughs> we tried to start by
1: describing what the diverse data program was by explaining that there were different groups of people missing in our data set. Here my dad says she is trying to design new ways to get people of different backgrounds to understand what the database is, donate and ensure that the data gets used. My granddad then interrupts by saying it's kind of like in black communities when you have sickle cell and people are embarrassed to talk about it and donate blood.
2: Sickle cell and
1: all that. Ah, sickle cell. Yeah, yeah, you know, we know we that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a cycle. I say, it's a cycle. Because if the hospital doesn't have enough blood to give to black people with sickle cell, then more black people will die. And then some people can be scared to go to the hospital. And then they don't trust them. And then they don't give a sample. And then they don't have a sample. And the cycle just goes round and round. people get, and then it's just go
2: around and around so you have the problem you have to do how for the black people they understand mm. exactly that's exactly her job my
1: that's job is that that's my, my job her job is
3: black, trying. black and asian and all all time all, all races yeah. she's trying to understand what is it that they feel uncomfortable about what are their experiences when they go to the gp or when they go to hospital what
1: <laughs> <is> their <experience? laughs> here my dad says she wants to understand why people are uncomfortable to give their blood or provide a sample to help with research.
2: The easy understanding, man. Because they don't want to reveal the, weak, the weakness of their potential. And they want to be showing the shame of, of this. that a problem. Because they have the feeling that...
3: What I am say, because... It's pride, basically. It's pride. They, they don't want to people to know that they got this
2: disease or this weakness. They don't want they to reveal their weakness. Mm. Yeah. They don't want to reveal their, sh- well, their shamelessness.
3: That is only your perspective. Yeah. At the mo-
1: and here my dad says, say, You are an outsider to the black communities, so you can speculate all you want. But because they are in the community, they understand why and we can't pretend to understand. To which my own says, of course, I know that, Son. We're not in the community, so we don't understand. là the Asian people is the biggest gap. Do you understand what Sophia says? We can say it about black communities, but the Asian communities, it can be even worse than that. We have pride, and we also don't have trust. No. To which my own also says, yeah, I know, we are proud like this. The most missing people in the group. So really this podcast is to get an idea of what the tr- what difficulties did Ong encounter, you know, what were the common complaints of people that he was translating for when they went to hospital? What yeah. was their experience?
2: I faced with many cases that for the young girls, they went to the King College for... In the section of abortion, the problem is because the family life is very hard for them to carry on if they have uh, the baby. And the second thing is the parent of the girls, they don't want to have a uh, shame because uh, their daughter yeah. have got uh, pregnant beyond of marriage. And the third thing is, her boyfriend doesn't want her to hurt the pregnant because uh, he thinks that they're not ready for the family life with, with the child. And, and the fourth thing is, the obstruction between her parents and his parents, they don't accept in the case of her pregnancy of like that.
3: It's a culture thing, mm. and this, this culture is basically, as you know, in, in Asian culture, they don't believe, I know it's not a thing as such, that, but they don't believe in sex outside marriage. Mm. <coughs> but with, with when when you combine that with religions it's even more mm. strict it, it's all to do with shaming the, the 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 parents basically they don't want they don't want their parents to face that shame
1: do you ever do translation for people with cancer
2: one of the girls for cancer with um womb cancer i met her in a, in in st thomas and before i came in to do interview for her, translate for her. I cannot reveal any news of hers to her to her friend because that girl got a loss of friend in Vietnamese community, the relatives as well, and also her children as well. She did know that he got a problem with cancer. of she did know that. But when I came in, the doctor said to me, "You said to her." who got a problem cancer in her womb. Um. And by that time, she was very, very, very sad. But I never spoke to anyone at all, until she died. Four years after that, the people said to me, Oh, Hương, her name is Hương. Oh, Hương is uh, dead by womb uh, um, cancer. I said to them, Oh, I know. That's it. I never revealed to anyone.
3: I don't know what the Western part of this interview is to find out why, uh, it's to compare, if you like, the Western opinions with the Asian. So I want to ask you, how does somebody in her situation, if she's a Westerner in her situation, do they tell, normally tell their friends about their illness or do they keep a secret? No, normally they would tell because then you find it, it's encouraged in the West now to talk about all of right. You can get such support from everyone around you, so it's very natural. It's quite unnatural not to. So I I want to ask Ong um, again this question. Do
1: you know why Hung didn't want to tell anyone about this?
2: I don't know okay. about her. I I don't know about her. Her her will. Yeah.
1: Vietnamese but us Vietnamese people, if anyone is heavy with cancer, then people usually don't tell each other. And then my granddad said, That's right. We ask why. And my nun says, They don't want people to know. But why? And then my nan says, They don't want people to know they were ill. That's it, really. I don't think it's like... Nowadays in the West, people tell their friends and family, but over here, we don't.
3: The pe-
1: but then my nan says, but the people who are ill, they don't want to bring the disease with them and spread it to others in their mind. If you die, then no one has to know why.
2: Yes. That's the culture. That's the culture of, culture of the Asian. Mm. Chinese, At the and Vietnam, and even... On um, the Asian people. people.
1: I want to ask one more bon thing. Bon we have lots of different types of Vietnamese medicine. When we were ill, do we Vietnamese people trust going to the doctors? Mm. Because we have our own, like, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, a lot of people have their own, like, or t- like other ways, like, like, and all this.
0: So, when
1: do people... How do they see health? Do they see that as separate to the doctor or the same? Is it the
2: trust? you see what I'm trying to say? My nan says...
1: People know when they get ill, it's about preventing it in advance. Vietnamese medicine is just about preventing you getting ill so that if you have to go to the GP, you don't have to wait very long, or you don't have to go at all.
2: In the line of GP... ..they can be waiting for two hours.
1: It's true. It's true though.
2: Queuing, and eventually they give some uh, paracetamol and go home. (laughs) That's the reason why.
1: Oh, You've also you got to remember
3: that where Alman <laughs> um, Ba came from, they didn't have a national health mm, service. Exactly everything, my point. I was going to say a that. Yeah. Mm. So, this idea of if you're sick, Self-cure. you have to go and speak to this Western man who'll give you a paracetamol after two hours. So, it's not. Yeah. Do I it, don't trust a doctor because of the long history, like no national health service. Yeah. So, they're so used to curing it for themselves. You,
2: you know? also have to know that many doctors they are very bad. <laughs> It's, it's true. Yeah. In health service, many doctors, they got the private surgery and they tried to cut off the work of National Health Service to get the time for his, her, private you surgery. Yeah. Yeah. You understand that? Yeah. And they got, because with the private patient, she got, a thousand or thousand to pay in, but the salary of, of health authority pay her is, is very very less. Mm. That means, uh, and I discover many doctors, they do triple job. One in national service and two others for the private of her of his service.
1: At my place of work, if we want to collect DNA samples of people, we have to know first if that person has cancer. But I think because Asian people don't want to talk about the illness, then it's harder for them to find these people. And if they don't find them, then they can't ask them. To which my grandma finishes my sentence by saying and then they don't have a reason to study us. Mm. Here my grandma interrupts by saying, husband, do you remember that time Hùng was ill and no one knew and she died of cancer? And my granddad says, yeah, I already told them. And then she says, but you didn't even tell me. Only then was when that lady died was when you told me.
2: The, the main thing is you have to involve how to educate like, uh, or for example, like uh, the, the age of my one is near, near to the end. But the young people, they can understand. very, very, very worthy and very, very uh, useful if they reveal their problem to the health authority. So it's easy for the work of health, of health authority.
1: So, on then, if you were me... Yeah. doing my job mm. and you wanted to try and convince Vietnamese people to give their yeah. DNA,
2: yeah.
1: what would you say to them?
2: Oh, I think for the young people it's easy.
1: Mm-mm.
2: But for the old people, a bit difficult.
1: So what would At you Elmar, do? Elmar. Difficult, to, um, so what would you do then? So then my nan comes in and says, I have an idea. Your uncle has a friend called Don, who's a doctor. Sophia, you should go and have a conversation with him and convince him to convince others to give samples. That's even more good because Ong, your granddad, is just a translator. But with a doctor, Ong has to do exactly what they say. So speak directly with the doctor. Then I ask. so you are saying because he is a Vietnamese person, yeah. people will trust him more.
2: Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gamin everyone! well done, you're going to have fun editing that. Excuse the echo, I'm now in a completely different room, away from the family home and just recording my thoughts. As you can tell, that was probably quite a juicy session for a lot of you. Uh, In no way am I in any means endorsing half of the things that were expressed in this podcast, but I thought it was really important to give you an open, fairly uncensored view as to what sorts of conversations happen in families behind closed doors, particularly ones of multiple ethnicities. That's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us on this journey to highlight and debate the implications of genomics as it comes to the mainstream of healthcare and society. Remember to subscribe to The G Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Always wanted to say that. If you have views on these topics, if you have a suggestion for someone we should interview, then do write to us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. And do remember, if you've enjoyed listening, that giving us a five-star review really helps other people find out about our series. I'd appreciate that for one. Help get me famous, Hans. I've been Sophia. Thanks for listening.